0: This, this Taylor, this, fly ball to left. This is the Rich Eisen Show.
1: Nothing hurts than watching your team get eliminated from postseason play.
0: Chris Taylor,
1: a walk-off home run. The Dodgers are walking off to San Francisco.
2: The Rich Eisen Show.
1: Playoff baseball will find your weaknesses.
2: Heck of a baseball game. Everybody got a chance to watch. One swing of the bat. Dictator of the night. Earlier on the show, Ravens defensive end, Calais Campbell. Former MLB executive, David Sampson. Still to come. Former Raiders CEO, Amy
0: Trask. And now, it's Rich Eisen.
1: Our number three of the Rich Eisen show on the air. Oh, boy, tonight do we have a corker of a triple cast debut Thursday night football for the first time this year, not just exclusive to NFL Network, it's on Fox and on Amazon Prime. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman with the call in Seattle. Rams and Seahawks. No tougher assignment in football than a night game in Seattle with the 12s in the stands. That is some really, really intense... Action. I've been there. I've done it. My Thursday night football life has been in Seattle quite a bit. It's brought me to Seattle quite a bit. One year, it rained so damn hard. They delayed the start of the game because the turf bubbled up. I'll never forget that. I'll never, I will never, Pete Morelli was the, uh, was the ref that night. Pete, yeah. Pete yeah. Morelli. Remember Pete Morelli? Man, yeah. I haven't heard that name in Pete a while. Morelli was nicknamed when we were watching games with Pete Morelli. We, we nicknamed him Monk because he had this whole Tony Shaloub yeah. sort of calm quality Absolutely. about him. Pete Morelli was the, uh, I'll never forget him walking around out there and like tamping down the field. You know, the bubbles in the field. And, um, Holmgren was the coach of the Seahawks that, that year. That's how long ago it was. That's how long ago it was, and we just watched the rain cascade off the Crazy. field right into our right into our set position. Um, it, I've never seen it rain that hard, and it, they delayed the game and it started. And Alex Smith and the Forty Nine ers had a hell of a night that night. I remember that, and um, and then we came back, and I remember this one. That um, this was before Russell Wilson arrived. Forget what year it was, but Marshawn was there, and we. Didn't know who to invite to the set because Marshawn wasn't coming after Seattle won. He basically said he's not coming to talk. And it was me and Mooch and Marshall and Irv and Dion. It was all five of us. And we we said, we'll take Pete Carroll. The network's like, Marshawn's not coming. Who else do you want? And at the time, this is before the Legion of Boom was booming. And we took Pete Carroll because the question I had for Pete was, what's the identity of your team? That's how long ago this was. This was before Russ and before the Legion started booming. And we were just wondering, you got Marshawn and who else here? Like, what's, what, what's your identity of your team? Like, you don't have much of an identity on offense other than, I guess, Marshawn. And then defensively, what are you trying to establish here? I was asking those questions as this true story, fans were hucking skittles at us.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> that was another Sunday night, uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday night game in Seattle. And each time I've been there, all I would know is just like, I look at the stadium and I see to myself, how is it so damn loud in here? Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, is that, that triangle it's, it's, end, it's no, yeah. the design, it's it's the, it, the design of the the, 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 covering of the roof that's over much of the, the stands. Where kinda like right. And curves, then, it, and then there's yeah. like some triangle type, you know, yeah. Stand, those th- like third level, it's, it's just some odd construction. And it is beautiful in that city and it is incredible. Oh, yeah. and, and they, they get ready for their football games all day long. Oh, yeah. And tonight will be the first night game since the twelves are allowed back in the building. And I am genuinely concerned for the Rams mm-hmm. ability
0: to win this game. Russell Sir- Wilson Rich nine and one on Thursday night football in his career. Wow. He is damn good Ooh. on these short weeks. So you just he took my stat, Brockman. Sorry, TJ. <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: like, you want to say just, it? No. Mom, I just texted to Brockman. No, you can <laughs> go ahead. And do it it. You can did go you just ahead. text it to Chris and he a, used it? About 20 minutes ago. Oh, wow. like, oh, hey, hey. Oh, okay.
0: oh. But we're we're on were the ta- same gang, Jerry. Right. the reason why we're on the same game here is because he has a he has a fantasy decision, you know, play Russ tonight or wait till Sunday and play Joe Burrow, and I'm trying to talk him out of Russ tonight. But he was like 9-1 oh, on Thursday Night Football, and I'm like, I, I feel you.
1: I wouldn't talk you I out you. of playing. I I, I I, don't know. Burrow against the Packers just concerns me. It just does. I don't know. That's a big one, too. For, you see Joe, know, Joe I, coming out. Team. Here I am. I'm 3-1. Come on in, Aaron Rodgers. I want really, some of this relaxing. Way, here we go. Game. I
0: really want to pick the Bengals this week. The word for that would
1: be uh, gumption. <laughs> But I am concerned for the Rams tonight, man. I'm concerned for them. And that's how incredible how these things turn so fast. And, you know, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Arizona Cardinals just put the bang thing on them. And now they got to go up to Seattle in this environment, short week. You know, Stafford, as you know, has one of the most wild sequences in the history of primetime football in Seattle. If you remember... It was a Monday night game when the Lions were there and he flew threw one to Calvin Johnson who fumbled the ball forward. You remember that? And the Seahawks ball in the end zone batted it out. KJ oh, yeah, Wright that's right. batted KG, it uh, out of the end that. zone. And that was supposed to go back because he batted it out of the end zone, was supposed to go back to the Lions at the spot of the fumble. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. It wrong, right. They were ready to the Lions were ready to beat the Seahawks in Seattle on a Monday night when that would have probably eliminated a lot of people from their survivor pool in that one. I think I got that sequence right, right? Remember Calvin was going I in do balls remember loose. That. I do remember balls that. loose, and KJ Wright just swats it. And it was it. yep, you fumbled through the end zone. It's like, no, no, he batted it out. Ball should have gone back to um, Calvin anyway, because it was in the final two minutes of a of a of a, of a half.
0: Yeah, so that was I remember t- 2015. that 2015. Yeah, bro. Uh, Detroit went on a 10 play, 90 yard drive in the fourth quarter. Calvin Johnson fumbled under two minutes yeah. to go. Yeah,
1: and the only one that can recover is in, with under two minutes to go. It, you know, other than the defense, is the member who fumbled it. And it should have gone back to Calvin when K.J. Wright batted it out yes, of the end zone. So K.J. Wright
0: knocked it out of the back of the end zone. Play was ruled a touchback. Yeah. Giving Seattle the ball. However, Wright should have been penalized correct. for illegally batting it out of the end zone. Right. The play is not reviewable, however, so they got it incorrect. The rule, if applied correctly, yeah. would have given the Lions first That's, and goal at the one. Correct. I remember that.
1: Jeez. Stafford's back in that house tonight. The drama just ratcheted up because the NFC West, if the Rams fall to, they beat the Bucs at home to go to 3-0 and oh and then fall to 0-2 oh in division within a four-day span? How huge is that? And if the Rams win this one, then Seattle falls to 2-3 and three mm-hmm. behind a 4-1 and one team with the Cardinals welcoming Trey Lance into their house. Now, I wouldn't sleep on Niners this weekend, too. How about this? How about this? Hold on a second. What if, what if Rams win tonight? Totally feasible. Totally feasible. What if Trey Lance shows up and proves to be, to use the phrase that I referred to, uh, Kyler Murray is his nickname, The Problem. What if he provides a problem for the 49ers? Nobody's ever seen Trey Lance play an NFL game start, okay? The game where he started. Nobody's seen it. No idea. Nobody's seen Trey Lance play a game in which he's taking snaps at the ones all week. What if Trey Lance wins that one? Not out of the realm either.
0: Not out of the realm. Not out of the, realm. A little more unlikely, Rich, Not because what realm. if I told you the Rams are favored tonight?
1: I'd believe that. I'd be surprised, but I, I nothing's out of the realm, is what I'm saying in right. the NFC West. Right. If this happens, Rams win tonight, Niners win this weekend. Okay. The deep end of the pool, as I've described it, the the uh, NFC West, would be each game played in division. The first two weeks of round robin play in division would have been won by the road team.
0: Oh.
1: Arizona won in L.A. last week. Yep. Seattle won in San Francisco last week. San Francisco could win in Arizona, and then the Rams win in Seattle. It would be like, okay. So the two teams with the wins on the road last week just lost their first division games at home, and the two teams that lost their first division games at home last week just won their road division games, and everybody's now one and one which would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? Or Arizona proves that they're better than everyone else, hold home serve, even if the Rams win tonight, and they're still in first place. 2-0, 2-0, and and the only 2-0 team in division. How about that? That's how big this weekend is. I mean, I swear, it's what I love about the NFL, right, man? Every week is big, and every week can change your fortune right away. Or can solidify it, you know? It can totally solidify it. Ready to do my four downs this week? Ready to do my four downs? I mean, I've been, I've been, wait, I've been and, waiting all week for all week. You know, I appreciate down. you <laughs> saying that, Chris. <laughs> I don't think you really mean that. Hit. Go ahead and hit it, please.
0: Four downs with Rich. Here we go. Whoa! Why did stop
1: First down. Remember last year when we were just head scratching right around uh, midseason? How the hell did the Colts lose to Jacksonville in week? Oh yeah, one? Right. yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. we were doing that? Oh yeah. It took a while for us to be like, okay, Colts are actually pretty good with Phillip Rivers, and the Jaguars are just gonna keep going south right here, even though they had one of the most talented rookie, undrafted running backs we've seen in quite some time, and. Minshew started crapping out. Yeah. Right? It was fun. For we're a while, already sitting yeah. here in week five. There are three results saying how the hell did that happen? Mm. First one is how the hell did the Bills lose? How the hell did the Packers get boat raced like that by a Saints team that has not shown any ability to put together quality halves just together, consistency. right? The yeah. inconsistency from, CF, from the only consistent quarters that the Saints have woven together was that week one yeah. when they were the home team in a road stadium against the Packers team that looked nothing like the team we've seen since what the hell happened in western New York with the Bills and the Steelers came in how did they look like that and then what we've seen from them the rest of the way and then the Dolphins man how the hell did they win that one and I know that Tua has not played much since getting knocked out by the Bills in week two but the Dolphins last week that was a stunner how poor they looked, how poorly they played. Yeah, I got got that way. Yeah. My week one head scratchers, you're already seeing, there's three of them right now. And I don't know how this, these trends are going to be reversed. I mean, I don't know the next time the, the Packers are going to lose. Could be Cincinnati. Bills could lose this weekend, obviously, in Kansas City. But that Dolphins one is the biggest head scratcher. Here we go, second down right here on the Rich Eisenstein. Thank you, Mikey. You know who's turned into an elite offensive threat an elite offensive player like and i'm not just talking fantasy like he is in reality that a, no sir <laughs> you already kind of sense that yeah, he could yeah, be yeah, an elite yeah, player i just yeah <laughs> cordero
0: patterson oh, oh is
1: is become yeah. an elite offensive weapon arthur smith with cordero patterson has con, con, has considerably turned things around for him he averages 4.4 yards a carry running the ball. Yep. Wide receiver, he's got four touchdowns. <laughs> he's got four touchdowns, and he's got five plays of 20 or more yards. Only seven wide receivers have more than that than Cordero Patterson. And he's averaging 24.3 yards a return, kicking the football, as a, returning the football as a returner. You know, Calvin Ridley's not going to go into London. Mike Davis, the Judah Maccabee of uh, <laughs> of fantasy football last year, because his oil kept burning while filling in for Christian McCaffrey, who kept on not returning. Um, he hasn't run the football worth a lick. Patterson's their best offensive weapon this year. Yeah, can he play quarterback? I- <laughs> I don't know (laughs) because, hey, is Kyle Pitts going to finally get the ball
0: thrown to him? Russell Gage Gage also out, so they're top two. If this doesn't happen this week for Kyle Pitts, I mean, is it? Maybe it won't because
1: the Jets will be just like, we'll look for eight. But they got to look for 84 first. This guy's pretty incredible. Here we go. Third down right here. Third down. Um, You know, it's all about location, location, location. One and three. In the AFC East is last place. One and three in the AFC North is last place. If you're one and three in the AFC West, like night, night, night. Two and two is your last place team, and it's the Chiefs. One and three in the AFC South.
0: Still alive. You're still alive.
1: Still alive. Thanks to the Jets and the Titans having. Just everyone take the time to look at the Titans injury report from yesterday. Oh, <laughs> it makes Bill Belichick look like he's, he's hooked up out. to a. a, a, a He's hooked up to Truth Serum. He's, uh, he's taking a lie detector test, like on, on Meet the Parents, right? I mean, everyone's questionable. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, who's not questionable? So, who knows with the Titans this week and the Jaguars backs against the wall? Can they win one for Irvin? I'm just saying the Colts are not out of this thing in the AFC South. It makes it for a big game against the Baltimore Ravens coming up on Monday Night Football, an absolutely huge game on Monday Night. And um, I, I don't... I know my last time I said don't sleep on the Vikings and they went to sleep against the Browns. I, I'm just saying the Colts aren't out of this thing. they got a lot of runway left.
0: Rich, that's 20 players on the Titans. Oh, it's insane. On the Titans injury report. Bill
3: check 2.0, man. he I mean, goes come and on. gets
0: the hot take. Fourth down. Here we go. All right, here we go. Oh, I've got the hot take. Here line. we go. I
1: couldn't find the... Reserve the hashtag D's nuts (laughs) to just come out in week five and say this team's making the playoffs. Uh What's his name? I'm going to basically say that you know, right around week 12 normally, and I'm wondering if it might be a little later this year because there's an extra regular season game, you get playoff clinching scenarios. Right. Who can clinch a playoff spot? And then around, you know, week 16, week 17 it gets fewer and fewer number of teams that can clinch a playoff spot and then some of them are like, you know, you need three results, but at least they have a chance they've got like the dumb and dumber chance but they're in the mix, everyone else is normally eliminated by them, sniffing it, Oops, sniff. right I'm saying week 18, when we look down at the playoff clinching scenarios <laughs> there will be one for the Cincinnati Bengals the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 18 will have a playoff clinching scenario for real. Normally, as you know, the the only time the Bengals in recent days have been a factor in the final week of the season is when Andy Dalton eliminates the Ravens and starts getting his coffers filled up by Buffalo Bills fans who are philanthropic. I just couldn't come out and say that they're going to make the playoffs. I can't. I can't do that.
0: That would have been. I... I don't know how hot that is.
1: You don't know how hot that is, huh? Well, they're three and one. They're leading their own division right now. You even said before, like, yeah, when I said that they're that they're the third team in in the AFC North, you were like, yeah, but. So now that I'm, I'm well, it's because that- they're
0: the Bengals. But like, if you just look at it on paper, they're they're a playoff team right now. So yeah, I would expect them to have some type of seder- In week eighteen,
1: really, when it's all said and done, I think over the next so. three months you think the Bengals are gonna to continue to put together enough three in one months, two in two months I
0: to mean, have as, a shot at the playoffs and final. As long as, as, okay. as Joey B doesn't get hurt. I thought you were gonna say like the Lions are gonna have
1: one or something. You know what nah,
0: I mean? that, no, no, I'm, no. But I'm I, this. You know, I gotta believe
1: what I'm saying. I'm, oh, like, rich, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna. Rich. I'm not just gonna say something just to be stupid. He <laughs> <laughs> might be crazy, but he ain't stupid, Chris. I can't do it. I don't have it in me, Chris. I'm sorry. I know you want me to say something stupid, well, but no, I, just, I still I, have I, to have a reputation. Just like
0: not stupid per se. Just like you know. Out there, out there. Yeah,
1: I think it's kind of out that the Bengals and we will not be will will go into the final week of the regular season with a chance to make the playoffs. That hasn't happened in a long time, and just because they're three and one right now in September, I don't know. All right, you don't think it's hot? I don't know. Here's something I really do agree with you. I was telling Chris a couple weeks ago. I put this on Twitter about Cordero Patterson. With that guy's size and his speed, I was like, Dude. he's so confusing to me because. He's got all this talent, and it doesn't seem like any coach has ever been able to, like, really use him as the weapon that and he should be. Hey, and now man, look at him. We right. talked about the Falcons coming into this year as I mean, saying, Julio has gone, that, and yeah. then you're wondering, can Calvin Ridley step into the one? And I don't know if we've got that answer yet.
0: He's pretty good. I mean, he's I good. Mean, he's I think playing. he can. Well, weekend, but,
1: but we also came in, I am I, I don't know, Like like a number one receiver. Like, is Calvin Ridley a top ten number one receiver? In the NFL,
0: I'd say if you look at the fantasy rankings heading into each week, he's in the top ten every week. I understand week. what
1: his fantasy rankings are. I'm wondering what the reality of is. right right? I now. mean,
0: you're, it means he's producing.
1: Would you take Amari Cooper over him? Ooh. Yeah. Would you? I, I mean, we could go on and on. Hopkins. Would you take Devonte Adams over him?
0: No, I think yeah, he's in, in you, past you, years, you would made, you take
1: you talk about Julio Jones as a top ten, number one wide receiver? The replacement, I don't think, is right now.
0: He's in the second tier. And he's tier. unavailable now he's this week.
1: All two. I'm saying is Ridley has not, well, it's four games in. Yeah. We're still waiting for that answer. Sure. The running back, the running back, we're, you know. We have no idea. And Kyle Pitts is like, hey, he's, he was the first non-quarterback off the board in the draft. The offense, the Falcons offense, the Arthur Smith Falcons offense runs through Cordero Patterson. That's the way it works right now. And if I'm the Jets, that's the guy you stop. Let Kyle Pitts get all his yards, certainly since I need the fantasy win in the worst
0: way. (laughs) All right,
1: so I just went professional and then thoroughly non-professional. Let's take a break. Amy (laughs) Trask, when we come back here, her athletic story was quite something. That's coming up next here on the Rich Eisen Show on Urban Meyer. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. helpful and the best of all friendly stop by O'Reilly auto parts today or visit us at o'reillyauto.com Eisen that's o'reillyauto.com Eisen it's that time of year people spring has sprung and that means spring cleaning or at least
0: This is The Rich Eisen Show.
1: 844 204 Rich, number to dial for our terrestrial radio audience. I uh, just spent the last few minutes on Peacock and Sirius XM Channel 211 setting up our next guest, who's one of my favorite people from CBS Sports. And I met her many, many, many moons ago when uh, I first started an NFL network. And she was spending all those years in the front office of the Raiders organization. She is Amy Trask back here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Amy?
2: I am well. Thank you for having me. It is such a treat to join you, but let's not tell anyone how many years ago that was that <laughs> I we met, okay? You
1: know what? As soon as they came out of my mouth, I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to hear it from Amy, <laughs> But it's true. We I'm go good. way back. I mean, that's just the only way I can actually put it, and I cherish that. And I'm
2: I just you. I'm honored to have known you so many years.
1: I, 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 you know, I, I've i known you so long that uh, you were standing right next to Al Davis when he gave me grief for where the championship team from the L.A. Raiders landed on the top 50 uh, all-time list uh, Super Bowl champions. And I'm like, I had I nothing, remember, to, I had nothing I to do with this. Moment.
2: Well, I don't know if you remember that I was giggling when he was yes, doing that. Yes, I, <laughs> I was
1: actually looking at you for a lifeline, Amy.
2: <laughs> Sorry about that,
1: <laughs> guys. He came up to me at an owners' meeting, like complaining, like a, like any fan would. Like, who's who's deciding where the uh, the L. A. Raiders are one of the greatest champions of all time? And I'm like, I don't do it. I'm just the host, of, you know. Of <laughs> that was great. So uh, I could not help but notice your, your article for The Athletic and your, your, your opinion of what the Jaguars should do with Urban Meyer. I give you the floor to put it into words uh, for this audience right now.
2: Well, Amen. I did have a strong position on it. And, Rich, you have known me for all those years, and you know that I am not a hot take yes, I person. <laughs> yes. um, I, don't, I don't have hot takes just for the purposes of having hot takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel strongly about this. When you own a business, You have to make a decision as to whether those you employ, particularly someone in a leadership position, is a good leader and does exercise good judgment. And in my view, this is just another or yet another instance of Urban not exercising good judgment. There have been a number of instances before this, and it was a glaring lack of leadership. I heard you mention uh, that Mike Lombardi shared with you that he can't recall a time in his career when a coach didn't fly home with a team and as i shared in that athletic piece i can't recall an instance in which a head coach didn't fly home with us either now you know if there was an instance and i'm simply not remembering it i am confident it was because of an emergency situation like a funeral or you know a loved one who was terminally ill but i really don't remember an instance in which a head coach did not return with the team and A, that's leadership, but B, to all the people who said to me, oh, aim, nothing goes on on the planes. No, excuse me, I was on those planes for almost 30 years, and business does go on on those planes. But again, lack of leadership not to come home with the team.
1: Yeah, and, 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 you know, I've been on those planes too, and, you know, players sometimes go up front to talk to the coach. Sometimes the coach goes in the back. Certainly if a team's heartbroken like Urban Meyer said, in the post-game press conference Thursday in Cincinnati, that his team was that you know that there there, there is uh, business to be done or or rallies to cry you know like these are these are things that to be done. But so um, the fact though that he stayed behind and then the video comes out of what he was doing while staying behind, even though that wasn't you know we all assume and and I think correctly, so that's not the reason why he stayed behind was what we saw in the video. But, um, you know, uh, it, even if it was, I mean, if it was, then that that would make a, a whole different story out of this. But let's put it together and just say, you know, what what you said at the end of that column is you think that Jacksonville should just swing the axe right now and don't even wait to see well, I, what's I, happening.
2: I do. Um and as I said in that piece, um, do as i say not as i do is not leadership in my view and i want to make very clear what i endeavored to make clear in that article and on twitter and i believe you and i are in accord on this i would terminate him not for what he did when he stayed back that's between urban and his wife that's between urban and his family i would terminate him simply for staying back because i don't know how you lead a team when you're evidencing glaring lacks of leadership like that, now you know maybe he can reconstitute himself. I do believe in second chances, but I, and by the way, I've been given second chances in life, and and I work for a team owner who gave people second chances, but if I and third chances and fourth chances, um, <laughs> no. if I owned a business, I would have trouble now after the. I think this is the third time since he's been hired that I have thought, poor judgment, poor judgment, poor judgment. And as a business owner, do I want someone in a position of leadership that I think continues to exercise poor judgment? And my answer to that is no. And you are absolutely right, Rich, of course, as to what goes on on team planes. Never did I see, and you know, there was never a flight home that I didn't see our coach walking throughout that plane and speaking to players, whether we were in a good mood or a bad mood, heartbroken or otherwise, meeting with players, speaking with players. Sometimes players would approach the coach. The coach would meet with trainers and the medical staff and talk about injuries. They'd start talking about the next week's game plan. But more importantly, that coach came home with his team. You know what? Let me use this term, ride or die.
1: Hmm. Amy Trask here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Well, what you just said, uh, here's what might be the loophole in it, Amy, is the fact that, and certainly you with – a legal mind as well um that that to say that we're firing you we're terminating you for cause um not the morals clause when it was interesting to see Shad Khan use the word conduct in his statement um that that we're firing you for cause because of this um that basically his response would be well i i told the general manager i was gonna do this and he said okay even though obviously the command and control structure of hiring somebody like Urban is you hand him the keys to everything and he's clearly shown that being handed the keys he can crash the car. Uh, but wouldn't wouldn't he be able to say essentially and that's the ultimate problem with this is that there's a command and control structure where the general manager doesn't tell him that's a bad idea Urban, you gotta, you've got you got to take this plane back home?
2: Well, you're, right? you're absolutely right to point that out and I did see Urban's comment in that regard. I've not seen anything from Trent. So you know, there's a lot to explore there. Did he say, "Hey, I'm staying back," and was he told, "Well, look, I think that's a really, really, really bad idea, but I don't have the authority to tell you not to go talk <laughs> to Shad." I don't know what the response was. Was the response, "Okay, sure, stay back." If that's the case, you're absolutely right. There are legal issues and arguments to be made associated with that. Look, there's a dance that may go on here. It, it if you know, if there's a termination. Um, and and I was teased today when I said termination. Someone meant, do you mean said, do you mean killing him or just firing? No, no. Of course, I'm using the legal word for firing. Um, but if Shah chooses to terminate him, to fire him, there's going to be an argument, an arbitration over is money owed. Uh, And maybe they can settle that on a going-forward basis. Maybe Urban says, all right, you know, I'm partly responsible. Let's reach a happy medium. Let's not have an arbitration. But, yes, all of this is going to unfold if, in fact, Shaw decides to move on.
1: Amy Trask here on The Rich Eisen Show from CBS Sports, um, former Raiders CEO, right here on the show. And I I think just once again – because, you know, I, I see a lot of responses from what uh, I've been saying here and what others, like yourself, have been saying. is like, you know, what did he do wrong, right? What did he do wrong? Like, and Again, it's none of your business what he was doing and so on and so forth. And as you stipulated, and I, I would agree, that is true. It's what it implies in terms of what everybody can do on this team and what he, as an authority figure, can set as parameters of their conduct and how that has now been blown to complete... Smithereens. Chris Long, who's been in this business for a very long time, had a perfect tweet that encapsulated the entire thing earlier this week when he tweeted out that if I'm a veteran player in Jacksonville now, I am my own boss, is what he had to say. So how does this get put back together? Can a win Sunday truly help put all of this back together based on your knowledge about that special bond between coach and locker room? Amy, Trask? well, I'm
2: not sure that special bond exists in the case of jacksonville i would posit for you that there is no special bond right now between urban and that locker room and, I, and i'm not suggesting that you're suggesting otherwise mm-hmm. um look i think chris's point is is right on on point um how do you get up in front of a team now if you're urban let's say you're going into the bye week how do you say to your team i don't want you to do anything that's going to bring any shame on the club i'm a player i'm laughing or i'm rolling my eyes I want you to stay out of trouble. I don't want to, I don't want video of you floating around the ether. I don't want to see you doing anything that embarrasses your organization. How do you have one iota of credibility? Again, I'll point to the phrase that I used in the athletic piece. What you're saying is do as I say, not as I do. And I don't think that's good leadership and something that, you know, you need to focus on. This is a locker room of men feel you know, very different than college, where all the players are very, very young. In an NFL locker room, sure, you've got some young players right out of college. We drafted some men who weren't yet 21. But you also have men well into their 20s and their 30s, and in some instances beyond that. These are men. How do you do the do as I say, not as I do? You know, you ask about what if they win? There's a phrase, winning cures everything. I don't believe that. I've never believed that. What winning is, is a great deodorant. Mm -hmm. And that's the phrase I've always used. Winning is a great deodorant. It takes the smell away from a lot of things. But winning alone doesn't cure underlying issues. It just disguises it.
1: Well, and how difficult is it to win if the trust on that front has been destroyed or... uh... Uh, or considerably altered, Amy, because, I, I mean, again, it, it, you, you're mentioning the bye week, which is in two weeks from now there, and, and th- that's all well and good, but it's just like in the crucible of a game when adversity hits and the coach has got to make a call about whether go for it on fourth down or punt or kick or what have you or call a timeout or manage the clock or anything, that doubt creeps in as to that person's – and he could be you know, as terrific at that aspect of it as Urban has shown in his years of coaching – that one slip-up, suddenly that doubt begins to creep into the mind's eye of a player during the the action of a game. That's where I would also be concerned if I'm shot Khan and keep a very keen eye on that sideline and the field
2: on Sunday. That's an interesting point you raise, and I don't know that I would look so much to players questioning an X's and O call, although Mm -hmm. your point is very interesting. What I would look to is, is this a coach, and I'll use a euphemism, that players want to run through a wall for. In other words, I've seen coaches during my career where players are going to just do absolutely anything and everything they can to run through that proverbial wall. And I've seen instances in which it's like, yeah, not so much. So, you know, I believe football, more than many other sports, is a game in which emotion plays a tremendous role. It is a game in which momentum born of emotion and which creates emotion plays a tremendous role is that someone on the sideline for whom those players are going to say yeah i'm going to run through a wall for you
1: last one for you amy trask before i let you go on this on this thursday um based on your knowledge of institutional knowledge of the nfl and competition committee and the way coaches think and what you might know about what's going on in the nfl right now who ordered the code red on celebrations with the taunting, um, with the taunting emphasis? Who ordered the code you know, red?
2: That's a great question because a number of coaches have spoken out in support of the rule. I'm sure there's also phone calls going around the league saying, hey, could you talk out in support of the rule? Could you give a little shout out to the rule? Um, You know, I believe it emanated from the competition committee, but the way committees work and the league office works, the league office and committees work hand in hand. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but when you want to make a rule change or you want to put a rule up for vote, you go to the league office, then you go to a committee, then you go back to the league office, then you go back to a committee. So I'm sure a lot of people were involved in that. I love your use of the expression (laughs) code red. That's great. And, you know, my issue is as follows. Do I believe that people should do things that cross a certain line? Of course not. not. But there's no way you can expect a player to play with emotion. We always say we want to see our players play with emotion. Well, you know what? When you play with emotion, emotion pours through. So, you know, it was said in a Supreme Court decision mm-hmm. of obscenity. I know it when I see it. <laughs> and I think when it comes to, um, I think that was Justice Potter Stewart. Gosh, that was just a flashback from law school. Um, I know it when I see it. I'll say the same thing of taunting. We know it when we see it, and let's not go too far in calling things taunting. Yeah, no, Darren
1: Waller uh, was not taunting just because oh, he spiked n- it on n- the bench. I mean, that was not a taunt. And it's so obvious it was not a taunt. And, you know, but- obviously I have the benefit of, you know, sitting on my couch and seeing that and, you know, in the, in the whole you know, caught up in, in everything. A, a referee might just throw a flag like, but that was ridiculous. That's not a taunt. He was not taunting. He was playing with emotion. Like, what,
2: I said what the games? same thing at the time. And, of course, you probably said it to your audience the next day. Yes. I just said it to my husband. But I said, that wasn't a taunt. He didn't do it in someone's face. He didn't do it to taunt someone, to rub anything in. Mm-hmm. He was excited. He didn't put that ball near anyone. I agree with you.
1: I know. All right, Amy. Thanks very much. I always appreciate catching up with you. Um, I
2: always appreciate the opportunity to do so.
1: Well, uh, uh, and and hi. That's how I'll say that at the <laughs> and end. Hi, Rich. Okay, we'll chat soon. That's uh, that's that's Amy Trask. At Amy Trask. I follow her on Twitter. You should as well. I just love her everything. I love the way she talks, her brain, her knowledge, her communication skills, and she's just been there and done that, man. And right. I just wanted to reach out to her and. Again, like you can't they they can't tell urban hey you stuck around in Cincinnati, that's a fireable offense when he can then say, "Well, I told a member of the organization, the general manager, that I was doing this weeks in advance." And that's the problem. That's why they're going to go for the morals clause if anything happens. But if they wait 2 weeks to do it and start playing football games, it'll be difficult to say morals clause too. That's the legal aspect of it right there. That's the legal aspect of it right there. But like I said, the ultimate problem might just be that there's nobody there to tell Urban Meyer that's just not the way it's done in the NFL. Either there's no command structure giving somebody that power. I mean, you can't expect Shad Khan to know everything going down at 10,000 feet, right? I mean, Jerry Jones might be the only owner that knows what's going down at 5,000 feet. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. 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 I I, I. I. don't. I'm assuming that. But that's the issue: is that there's nobody in that command structure in the first four weeks or four months to basically say, "Can't do that, man." Yeah, that's, I think that, that's a great. point. That will not fly here. Yeah. The players, not, the players. The players will not. Yeah, yeah. They, they. The players will not sit there, and go, "Well, Arbon wants to see his grandkids." I okay. get it. They don't care. Because everybody wants to see their grandkids right. or their you know, not yet. But you know what I'm saying. Everybody yeah. wants to see the what, whatever the fill-in-the-blank version of the grandkids is. Right. They all have stuff. Everybody that they wants to, everybody do when has they stuff home. they want to do. Right. And so you can't do that. And if you want to do that, that's fine. Get on a plane, fly home, get some rest. Yeah. You might be tired. Yeah. But that's when you call your private jet company. PJ. Or or PJ's. we can we can or you know, first class
0: flies or we, too. Or we could knock PJ's. on Or we yeah. could knock
1: on the door. Of uh, Mr. Khan's office to see if one of uh, Air Khan is available, yep. the one that picked you up. Yep. You know, we can put that nice Jacksonville spotted right, cat right. Uh, uh, carpet, carpet yep. Yep. right there. We can ma- you can make that arrange for you. Like what, whatever, what, what sandwiches you want on board? Or like maybe we can figure th- that out. Maybe
0: the third plane that he doesn't know about, like an like We Could be
1: that. Hey, yeah. Right now, Urban might want his Swiss passport. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But so. You know, that could have happened. And this whole thing could have been somewhat avoided. Now we would just talk about the video. Like, no, I went back with the players. That's a totally – that's a different way of looking the the men in the eye and saying, I screwed up. That's the ultimate – the ultimate issue, there's no command and control structure like that. But the ultimate issue is that it's needed – because the keys that are being handed over just got crashed outside or inside a steakhouse in Ohio. Like the guys in the NFL who have full command of everything. Do you need to tell Bill, hey, this is what you need to do on your off hours? No. Bill, you got to fly back with the team. 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the Rich Eisen Show. Setting up our Friday show, getting out of Dodge. And there has been a maneuver made by the Green Bay Packers that is just another new wet kiss towards number 12 This is the
0: Rich Eisen
1: Show. Back on the show. Um, So my latest episode of Just Getting Started, the Origin Story podcast, I've been uh, uh, interviewing voices of the NFL on um, how they got started in their career. And Aaron Andrews and Michael Strahan was last week. My first ones were Al Michaels and Joe Buck. This week is Westwood One's voice of the Super Bowl and Monday Night Football, Kevin Harlan, whose dad was involved in sports a long time, including the uh, man who ran the Packers. I asked this question of Kevin. You were exposed to the world of the NFL right from the get-go with your dad being such an important part of the Packers organization and being at the forefront of the Packers organization in terms of the the lead member of membership, as they call it, in the National Football League. What What is your first football memory
3: Kevin uh, I'll, I'll go back rich even before that my dad was with the baseball cardinals as their media relations director uh during the time of the two world series and 67 against the red sox and 68 against denny mcclain and mickey lolich and the detroit uh tigers al Kaline, uh, mcauliffe uh, all all those all those ter- yeah with the red sox but on that cardinal team and i used to go to spring training Uh, For two weeks, every year that he was with the Cardinals, from 65 to 71, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Kurt Flood, Roger Maris, Julian Javier, Tim McCarver, uh, uh, Orlando Cepeda, uh, I mean, like all these incredible baseball players at at a brand new Bush Stadium in St. Louis. My dad had been with Al McGuire at Marquette as the sports information director and then went to the baseball Cardinals in 65. And so when I was a kid, we would go to church on Sunday mornings, drive after church down to Bush Stadium in St. Louis, have breakfast in the press box. And I remember distinctly walking in, here would come Jack Buck and he would see me and my dad having breakfast in the press box. And I was like six, seven years old. Uh, here came Vin Scully and, and um, uh, Bob Prince of the, of the Pittsburgh Pirates, like these incredible voices, um, and, and then on those Sundays when I would watch home Cardinal games from uh, the box seats or go out to the left field or sneak into the clubhouse or wherever I was, um, it, it, it put me like behind the curtain. I got to see press boxes and fields and practices and, and all, all kinds of things. And when Dan Devine left the University of Missouri in 1971... Uh, he took my dad with him to run the Packer front office. So I was a ball boy from 1971 into the times I got in college in Green Bay and then during the games would go to the press box and spot work on stats or do whatever. So I got to see everything and it just put me uh, so much further ahead because I knew the mechanics. I was, I was lucky enough to be exposed to all these great writers, uh, the way a press box operated, the way a broadcast booth moved, and and that just fueled the the, the fire even more.
1: Great chat with none other than Kevin Harlan, um, and it's filled with stories like that, including him as a 19-year-old college student at the University of Kansas who was hired to produce the Kansas City Chiefs' radio pregame show and he took his shot, sent a letter to a particular person to say, would you mind voicing the open of my show? It was John Facenda. <laughs> oh, and they're wow. filled with stories like that.
0: Wow. I mean, Kevin the, this, has a great set of pipes too. Man. This podcast He's is so filled good. with
1: stories like that. Go to where all podcasts are acquired. Are, are just getting started. And speaking of the Packers, man, hey, Aaron Rodgers wants help, huh? He wants, he wants some help. You need to be aggressive and helping out right now. How about beating everyone to the Jalen Smith punch? How about that one? I wonder if they asked 12, you want to call him up? You want to call him up? This is a hell of a midseason pickup. I know the Cowboys thought that he was not worth the trouble of keeping him on the roster if he wasn't going to play as a starter and they were on the hook for his salary next year and they didn't want to run the risk of such a good human and good enough player, but not good enough to crack the starting lineup there. So they cut him. And the Packers are like, well, we'll take him. And let's see. Let's see. He starts making some plays. I wonder if 12 called him up, said, come on over. Probably not. I don't – why not? I mean, it it helps. And if I was the Packers, I'd say, what do you think of Jalen, Aaron? Even if, you know, you're not running the risk of him saying, nah, forget it. That's what you got to do, man. Win now. Win for 12. I have no idea who's winning tonight. If I had to just guess, I just look at who's a better team, it's the Rams, man. And they should come out with this W, and Stafford should go into that building and come out with the win. But Russ, I would play him in fantasy tonight, sir.
0: I intend to. In Seattle. You saw what Kyler did against that team.
1: You saw what Kyler did against that Rams defense. Nine and one on Thursday. And so I would play Russ tonight, but I still think the Rams come out with the W. We shall see. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Carson Wentz the Colts is our first guest tomorrow. You should join us, please.